the Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. It's bbc.co.uk slash Essex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Tom Cole is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from lilies, hibiscus and moss killer, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which is Shenomenes. There's three main species. Yep, but they're deciduous. They're a spring-flowering shrub. They grow about, well, a metre to three metres high. They're actually, if you want to really know, they're from the Rosaceae family. Originated from Japan, well, that sort of region anyway. Uh, They're really... I think one of the most splendid plants. They are a bit thorny and they are deciduous, so they lose their leaves in winter. But they are a gem at this time of the year. They flower possibly from February through to April, depending on their position. They're commonly called quince, and lots of the times here on BBC Essex, people will ring up and say, I've got a quince. And in fact, when you question it more, they're talking about shenomenes. Now, shenomenes flowers are in clusters. They're in reds, pinks, whites, and a mix of those sort of colours. The white one is particularly upright. And the reason that I plant that often against a wall is because it gives you a very upright habit. You can train it left and right and you can make it look really very splendid indeed. Uh, Some of my favourites. Now let's look at some of my favourites before we tell you how to plant them. I still like, it's a good old fashioned one, it is Orange Beauty. Yes, Orange Beauty. Still one of my favourites. And it's not pure orange. It's a reddy orange. It's a really rich colour. There's Pink Lady. Needless to say, it's pink. Just going back to that orange beauty. It's got lovely yellow stamens. Absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, we've got Nivalis. Now, Nivalis, of course, um, Nivalis you have to think about because Nivalis is that white one that I talked about earlier. So that's really good. Yes, They have quince-like apple fruits. You can make jelly out of them. They're fairly insignificant, and they're better if you leave them out in the frost before you use them for jams and things like that. They're really easy to grow. They'll grow in absolutely any position at all which is fantastic. As long as the soil isn't totally saturated, they'll grow in clays, chalks, fine soils, sandy soils, and they're rather nice because they are particularly good for attracting bees in that early part of the year. So they are. What about planting a shenomenes? They're great. They flower. They haven't got leaves when they flower. The flowers are in clusters. They're bright. They're cheerful. Anything to make your garden cheerful. So get out and plant a shenomenes today. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, 
Tom and I will bring you some top tips on things we can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Anne from Leon C. Yes, hello, Ken. Good morning to you and your colleague. Um, I wonder if you can help me. I've got a mimosa tree that I've had about five years now. I think it was about two foot high when I got it in a pot. And it's now, I would say, 15 foot high. Absolutely beautiful until about six, seven weeks ago. It's all gone brown. It's just falling apart. The grass is covered in the leaves. There's a tiny little bit of blossom still on the top, but I think it might have got the frost. I really don't know. Can you help me? Tom, Anne is actually answering her own question, isn't it? Mimosa, fantastic tree, isn't it? Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, the one you've got, it's got the ferny type leaf, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it might be Del Barto. It's got lovely creamy yellow flowers, bit of an almondy scent to them. Yes, uh, very yellow, very bright yellow Gorgeous, flowers. but they're not hardy, are they? No, and we've had some cold snaps, we've had a lot of bad weather, and basically it's all it's a weather problem, really. It'll come back, won't it? Yeah, it will do, actually. I mean, they aren't 100% hardy. However, you know, I've seen some of them just be really cut back by the frost, but wait for new growth in the spring, and then oh. once you've got that new growth, cut out any dead wood if you're able to do that from the ground. Yes, well, we can get someone to do that. Yes, you can. Oh, I just didn't want to lose it. It's no. just beautiful. And for anybody else that's had a mimosa and gets a hard winter in areas that are much more exposed, I remember one in Loughton that uh, got... A, it was a big tree. It had a large girth on it. And that com- completely knocked out in one of those very harsh winters. And it sprouted from the ground and produced the most magnificent... Uh, mimosa bush. It was massive, but what a gorgeous thing. Yeah, it's a, a lovely plant. Oh, that's brilliant. So I won't touch it at the moment. No, nope, leave it. it alone for the moment, yeah. And look out for those new shoots that will be fairly soon if the weather keeps going well, like this. Well, I think this. so, yeah. Barry in Colchester. Hi, Ken. Hello, Tom. Hi. Good morning to you. Morning. I've, morning. I've, I've got um, my daughter's garden has got a huge number, well, a huge number, a fair number of laurel bushes, um, reasonably new. I think they must have been put in two or three years ago before she moved in, in her front garden alongside the lawn. Just before the winter, they were fine. I weeded them, lovely green, healthy-looking bushes. There's about 25 of them. Now, every one of them, and I mean every one of them, is riddled with um, brown spots on the edges, holes in the leaves, leaves going yellow, virtually the whole bush, um, every one of them. I'm going to ask just one one question, though. In your search of, for these leaves, which Tom's going to I see, or he's, he's itching to go on that one, are the new shoots looking green and good? You right say on the, the new tips, shoots? The tips. Well, um, I mean, the, the, the stems and the branches that are there containing all the, um, all the leaves yep. are, are no. still as they were. Yeah, there will be. No, um, you I should haven't be... noticed specifically any oh. new leaves, but I mean, I've got four or five in front of me now, and they're sort of changing from being bright emerald green yep. to sort of yeah. yellowy green with all these brown blotches. Um, okay. Could be several things. Well, there's two things, really. Yep. It, it could be fungal, but 99% of the time, it's physiological, and it's, it's more uh, Wet weather conditions. Winter. So it's cold conditions, wet conditions, and lots of laurels suffer it. And actually, not just laurels, things like the Photinia red robin suffers from it as well. 
The key is don't do anything. Do not cut it very hard as well because that actually puts it under even more stress. So leave it well alone. The best thing you can do is actually to give it a good tonic. So give it a good feed. And you can do that over the leaf as well, can't you? You can do. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, I planted a couple of these last year and they came up the same condition. I used uh, a seaweed based product all the way around the base. So I, I've flooded the plants. You know, using the, using whatever dilution rate is on on the packet, but flooded the plant, and actually within a month or so, it was back the to new normal. growth was very very vibrant. However, there's a lot of water in the ground. Is it a wet spot, Barry? At all? It's a sloping garden, um, quite a steep slope. I mean, the, the bottom border obviously receives the um, the moisture, and there's a brick wall in front of it where it meets the yeah. footpath. Yeah. Now, well, side I'm... of the garden, side of the lawn. Mm. It's a sloping um, border. Um, I mean, there's 25, 30 bushes, and every one of them, every yeah. branch, no, what I I'm, say every plant, every every leaf is, no. is is going that way. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that Tom's idea is great, but what I would do is just hold for another week in case we get more rain because the ground is pretty saturated at the moment, and to right. put more liquid onto it would might possibly, for the sake of a week, would be better, wouldn't it, Tom? You could. You're not going to lose anything. No. Um, but definitely, definitely do feed it uh, coming into the growing season. We're in the growing season now and it will drop a lot of leaf and the new will come yeah so that's the other thing you will lose leaf and you will get yellowing a leaf i think really just hold back don't do any cutting do that feed in about a week's time well, and i, I think you'll you're fine leaves, or two of the leaves i've brought in um the edges are actually bitten as well and there's some holes in the leaf does that change uh, or add to your no because no. you still get that as well you get gapping of leaves uh, splitting of leaves holes in them then yellowing then die back you also get some slight blotches occurring that's all to do with the weather conditions hmm. barry hold tight give us a give us about four or five weeks you'll need about five weeks by the time you've fed it watch the new growth and come back to us and let us know what the new growth looks like because that's what we're going to be interested in based um, fertilizer yep. something yep. like maxi crop one of those that's a good one all right thank you very much for your help thank you barry that's barry in colchester and we go to malden to talk to wilma hello Wil wilma uh, good morning um in the autumn time i had a lovely display of physalis the yep. um, chinese lantern oh lovely and um i cut them back and would like to use um, dried from seed get plants from seed i'm a bit confused because i'm assuming that the seeds may be inside the berry? They are, the yes. Okay, and do I have to, to get them out, or can I just put the berry? Does, I mean, what no. happens out in nature when, it, when the berry drops? Well, the bird will actually eat it, and ah. it will pass through the gut, and then the seed drops out the other end. So ah, what you can right. do is split open the fruit, yes. use the seed, get a nice shallow pan or a pot, any old compost actually sounds really bad actually any old compost uh, seed and cutting compost or a multi-purpose compost fill up the container push a few seeds just into the surface cover them with the same compost water them and put them on the windowsill uh, and wait for that new growth to occur they usually they really do respond well to, from seed they do and yeah. are the um, softer berries the better um, some are very hard mm. have gone very hard uh, no, go for the harder ones actually, because the seed okay. is more is is more advanced. Oh, fine. Yeah. yeah. All okay. Right. Thanks very much. That's Wilma with a Fasalis or Chinese gooseberries. It's a lovely. It's bright orange. They are good, aren't they? Yeah. They're something really worth growing. Uh, don't forget that number to call is 0800-111-4041. Don't forget the text as well. Straight into the studio here for Tom and myself to look at. That's eight one triple three. Just pop. 
Essex on the front at the start of the message. Let's now go to Pam in Leon C. Pyracanthers were talking, is that right, Pam? Yes, good morning, Ken and Tom. Morning. Um, We've got a pyracanther, it's an old plant, it's about eight foot tall and about three foot deep, and we'd like to hard prune it back to about a foot in depth. Is it likely to tolerate that? I'm going to say might. <laughs> I'm going to say it definitely will. <laughs> I'll say, <clears throat> yeah, it's a very high percentage, isn't it? Why do you want to success? cut it down that hard? Well, because it's in a border against a fence and it's just coming out too far into the border, really. It's, an, it's interesting, isn't it, that, Pam, that what... It sounds if I'm being rude to you, I'm not trying to be rude to you, but it's an interesting thing that uh, regular pruning is what we, we try and encourage people to do, but none of us do it, do we? We get plants and they grow bigger and bigger and then we think oh my goodness it's too big do you not well, agree Pam? Thing, yes you're quite right and the other thing is it's in the winter months it's quite a haven for sparrows yeah so yes. we're quite reluctant in a way to do it but it needs doing so would you say it's a good chance then of pass of getting through it i'd say very high and you'd say yeah definitely very high as well yeah but no I, what, problem. I, what i would do is not just cut it down but once you've done that i'd thin it out as well Right. Um, so take out the very, very oldest stems, the thickest stems, so you've got some gaps between the ones that are left, and then yes. what will happen is you'll get some new growth from the base, and gradually then allow it to get to, gradually to the size you want it to get to. And, and then, then regularly prune it. And then regularly prune yes. once in the spring when the flowers are there, so just in front of the flowers. And, and again, in the autumn, just in front of the fruit. So at least you can see the flowers and, and the you can fruit. see the fruit. And that'll keep it to a manageable size. Yeah, thank you for that. And just, can I just ask one other quick question? Go for about, it. Um, we've got several cannas in pots mm-hmm. which have been overwintered in the greenhouse and they've also been covered with fleece at times when it's been very cold. But only one of them is showing any signs of life. Is there still hope that the others yes. might come back? Yes, Yeah, Patience. definitely. We've got them at college all, yeah. in, all in cool greenhouses at the moment and we're just checking through those. Anything where they're just disintegrated, we're going to compost. But most of them, nine times out of ten, they're actually fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, then. Thank you. That's a pleasure. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Now, Tom, what's your first one? Uh, Well, at the moment, it's feeding. So I'm feeding using. You as well as. I am eating a lot, yes. Oh, good, good. So I'm, I'm feeding using a general purpose fertiliser, mm-hmm. a granular one, something like fish blood and bone or grow more, at roughly 35 to 50 grams a square metre. Is that sort of like a small handful? It is. What I do is I measure it out exactly and, and, and look and see what it looks like in the hand, and then basically that's what I do. I, I guesstimate after that. You've got to, yeah. Sprinkle over, over the borders, lightly fork it in, and then finish it off with a mulch, nice, thick, organic mulch to about four inches. Now, if you struggle with, say, foxes as a pest, it's best to use one of the ordinary granular ones, like a grow more, isn't it? Because bloodfish and bone will attract them a it bit It can more. do. But actually, once it's in, it's, okay. it's less 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 exciting for them. But uh, certainly I would use... I mean, I'd, I'd like, grow more's quite good, actually, because it's a very long-lasting feed. Fish, blood and bone... Takes a bit of a while to break down, but then it sort of loses its, its ability. It is, um, it is better. It is better, I suppose, it is in the better. long run. What's your second one then? Uh, seed sowing. Seed sowing. So this is a great time for actually sowing, uh, well, lots of things. All your hardy annuals, if you hadn't done so already, directly outside on a prepared seedbed, 
if you could have got on the ground when it wasn't too wet. Uh, and we've just done that at the at the college. Um, so that's all sort of worked out. It's been broadcast. So we, we're experimenting. We're broadcasting, but we're also, to make it easier, I think, sowing shallow drills mm -hmm. in pre-marked out zones. Oh, that's a good idea. According to height. So taller ones towards the back, shorter ones towards the front. And then sow those very, very thinly. Use the head of the metal rake to draw over the soil. Tamp down with the head of the rake. And then watering if you need to water in the moment. At the moment, I think you're okay, actually. I wouldn't bother about watering. And then wait. And then because you've sown in those shallow drills, you it's can very see what, easy to see what we, is the plant you want to have and, and the weeds that you don't want to have. So now, uh, Thank you, Tom. We'll have some more top tips for you for the next seven days, a bit later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. But let's get straight back to the phones because I know that Bob in Langdon. Hello, Bob. Sorry to have kept you waiting a little uh, while there. Yeah, good morning. I've got some good news, actually. Um, Imperial lilies. About four years ago, I rang up so you know, I lost my um, lilies. What happened was they, they grew up, got to the bloom stage and then died and went back. Now, I've been uh, uh, having for about 50 years, you know. I thought, um, you know, it could have been an airborne disease or something like that. And I was hoping people was going to ring back and, and, and confirm it, you know. But no, no nobody knew anything. And uh, when I went to the nursery, they said, uh, well, um, if you check the bulbs, they're nice and solid, you know. Okay, but they never did grow. And um, now my son, he uh, worked on a building site, and some of these imperial lilies was on there, and they were clearing it. And he moved them. Uh, he took some and put them next to the laurels, and he had marvellous blooms in the following year, you know? And I thought, well, I don't know. So what I've done is I um, uh, dug down a foot uh, along where I want to put some new lilies in, uh, put six inches of shingle in now, and a little bit of earth, put the bowls in like I normally do, and this year I've got a marvellous show. It, it was that the ground, obviously, was, uh, was too wet. Yeah, that is one of the problems with lilies, isn't it, Tom? And you described a perfect planting there. So well, you, the other you thing you, us <coughs> a job there. And the other thing you can do sometimes is where they're bigger bulbs, you can plant them on their side. Yeah, I so do. I'll put, put them on the side, yeah. yeah. So the water doesn't collect so in the ground. I, I was lost without them, you know? Hmm. But uh, and I've got them now growing. I'm hoping that now next year I shall you know, keep my fingers crossed. Well, but well done. These winds we're getting, we seem to get them just as they're blooming, you know? Yeah, it's one of those, yeah. last week. It's the fate of the gardener. I, I, I make a, wire, a ring of that uh, link wire, you know, plastic wire. Yeah. And, and I'll put four pegs in and put it over that and then just keep pulling it up so I can keep the blue out of the wind, you know? Brilliant tips. And I've been very successful this year and I thought I'd bring you and sell you. Wonderful. Thank That's, you very much for that. Okay. Good yeah, to hear. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob, for your call. And we now go to Carol. Uh, Carol from Hal Green. Hello, Carol. Morning, Tom. Morning, Ken. Morning. Um, I've got a rather large red robin that has got a lot of black spodges on it. Yep. And the red leaves keep falling off. Yep. What can I do to help that? 
Did you hear, actually, did you hear us talking about the Laurel no, earlier on? No, I missed oh, it. You missed it? I missed it. I was oh. hanging on the line here. And oh, I OK. Just, we'll, let, we'll let you off. We'll let you off on that one. Um, right, just run through, because Laurel, yeah, it's an, an, <coughs> Fertinia. Yeah, Laurel, Fertinia, they all suffer from spotting, and most of the times it's not a fungal problem, it's physiological. No. So um, think back to when we've had all this bad weather this year. Wet, wet and winter, wet where, spring. And where you are, you've got a sort of clay-based soil. Yeah. I know how green quite well. Um, so you've got, you've got clay soil there, it's quite wet, so that's what evergreens do, they respond in that way and they'll lose leaves, they'll get spotting. So the key thing for you to do is, is wait, it's a long wait for you, but in a couple of weeks time I would actually, once the weather's sort of dried out the soil, I would actually get to use a good sort of seaweed based feed around the bottom. Don't do any pruning. Just let them take up that feed. And, and then, then you'll prune see. after they've started to grow, yeah, if so you but, need to. But with, with those, you're not going to be pruning those anyway for no. at least four or five weeks. So l- let them take up the feed and you'll find the new growth will be perfectly good. OK. Right, so is there a specific feed that I can get? I like seaweed-based feeds. And the key right. reason for that is it's got lots of potassium in. And potassium, right. not Very only important. does it promote good flower and fruit, You'll get a flower on the fertility at some point. Yeah. It also strengthens the cells in the plant, makes it stronger. Yeah. There's, there's lots around. Loads Bio of make ones, Bayer make one, the Maxi Crop Maxi make Crop's one. Maxi Crop's a good one. Yep. So we move on to Clive from Southend. Hello, Clive. Hello, good morning. Um, I've got a Clematis Montana. It's about yeah. 10 foot um, long and about four foot deep. It's as old as the hills. I've never pruned it. And basically, the gardener said he's got to chop it in with two thirds off to repair the fence panel basically will it regrow if he does that much damage to it right has he got to do that now he's going to do it well no not necessarily when's the best time to well because the thing is i to, do it after flowering after flowering you see it's going to flower it's about to, very, flower. It's about to flower within the next couple of weeks you'll have it be full of flower and then right. Then he can cut even more off it. He, he can could, do he what could he actually likes. do what he likes. It's, it's one of those plants where it flowers. It's flowering earlier in the year, so it flowers on old wood anyway. And what yeah. you can usually, what you would do is you would just prune it to the shape of the fence it's growing on. That's all you would need to do. Right. And anything coming out from the fence, you'd prune it back towards the fence. But if you're going to renovate the fence and you need to get access to it, there's nothing yeah. wrong in after it's flowered. I'd be quite ruthless, really. And be down to main right. stems, fairly hard actually, down to almost like two two buds above ground, and it will regenerate yeah. growth this year, and you will still get flowers the following year. How about that? Right, that's lovely. And and what? How how do I prune it when it gets established again? Because there's a lot of wood that looks, you know, like really dead. There's no growth on it, no nothing. Uh, well, it's the key is always after flowering. So right. after flowering, take out the dead, diseased, and damaged growth first. So just take right. it out to wherever you've got to cut it to. I do the shears. Um, and then um, you cut <laughs> I it. I shear the front of don't, it. Don't listen to Ken. Uh, Secateurs no. all the way. No, shears. So, so you cut it to the top of the fence and then you cut it yeah. towards the fence. But do that after flowering. And quite honestly, right. I, I, Clive, I know he's saying don't yeah. listen to Ken, but I have done so many Clematis Montanas with shears. You can just go over the front, pull all the dead out, and i tell you what, it works magically. Okay? Right. Great, lovely. Thanks very much for your help. That's a pleasure, Clive. And we go to Gloria from Hollow. Hello, Gloria. Oh, hello there. Yeah, I've got an hibiscus. That indoor, have... hang on, indoor, outdoor? Sorry, outdoor. Okay, lovely. Yeah. Um, we planted it five years ago mm-hmm. and it's never, ever bloomed. It just gets leaves on it. 
that start to come out, then they curl up. They don't die, they just don't do anything. And the plant hasn't really grown. Well, it has grown um, about doubled its size since we've had it, but it's never, ever flowered. I don't know if to dig it okay. up. Do you, do you feed it at all? Must admit, no. No, that's all right. I didn't want you to be feeding it with the wrong thing. That's why I was asking about the feeding. No, that's fine. We moved um, it once because it was next to a wall and I thought maybe it was too hot. So how, lo- how long ago did you move it? About three years ago. Should have settled, shouldn't it, Tom? I would have thought it would have settled, but... It um, take a long got, time, So you got loads it? of... So apart from not flowering, it looks mm. healthy. Yeah. It, oh, it's, yes, it's healthy. I mean, the branches are a grey colour and the leaves come out a nice pale green. Yeah. That's fine. And usually and, with um, flowers sort of mid to mid-summer onwards, really. Um, I would actually do a good feed... Tomato food? Definitely do, yeah, something like a tomato food mm-hmm. would be okay. That would work. Or if you want something uh, a little bit more longer lasting, some of the granular based general purpose feeds would be fine, like grow more, fish blood and bone, any of those. Just mm. follow the guidelines on the packet. And I would also try and do, or maybe, maybe just prune it a little bit. I would actually take some top growth off, uh, maybe a quarter, uh, mm. to a no nice more. outward facing bud or leaf, and then just leave it. See do what happens. Time to flower? Sorry? Do they normally take a long time to yes. flower? They can do, actually. Yes. And if you've moved they... them, it, some plants do take a little bit while to settle down again and get their roots right down into the soil. So this could be your year. This Hopefully. Could be your year. And yes. Gloria, seriously, I mean, he says they take some time. A hibiscus is one that I've planted in several gardens in my gardening careers. And, you know, they do take time they to do, establish. Yes. You buy them sometimes in bloom. They'll bloom that year. Mm-hmm. And then they'll sit there and you think, what have I bought that for? And eventually give them a few years and then they come into bloom. And I think Tom's yeah. quite right. Yeah. You've moved it, which is another check. Yeah. All right. I'll persevere. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Never throw plants away. Never. Keep working with them. That number to call is 0800 111 4041. That's 0800 111 4041. There's a couple of lines free. I've got some texts as well. Texts are coming through on 81333. We've got a couple of emails as well. Sorry, 81333, the text. Start your message with the word Essex. Sir. And we'll talk to Adrian from Ingrave. Hello, Adrian. Yeah, morning, boys. Um, thanks for the call. I uh, planted about 100 daffodils around the skirts of my rhododendrons about three years ago. Still haven't had any flowers. Are hang they on. susceptible to rhododendrons? No. no. Uh, hang on. You planted them three years ago. Yeah. So they came up green the first year. Yeah. They came up green the second year and they're yeah. still coming up green. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I'm no not going to ask you where you bought them. I bought them from a no, Walmart no, supermarket. No, 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 well, that might be. They big, sound big bag in a large supermarket. Yeah, they sound like that. They were they're blind. What we yeah. call blind. They're too young to produce a, a flower. You don't give up. But the most important thing is feeding them, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, and they're, are, they in green, are they in leaf at the moment? I should yeah, think they're they in leaf at the moment. Well, your best bet then is to use a liquid fertiliser, and I would use, there's a couple of things I might use. I'd actually might use a tomato feed, actually. You could do. Oh, yeah, okay. Water that in all the way around the skirts of yeah. those. Or and, on the, and on the leaf, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. yeah, and just drench it over those, use the guidelines on a packet, and, you know, that's going to boost the bulb for future years. It's but it's got to be... soil, does that eat... 
bulbs? No, no, you should you should be fine. You st- you should have still got some flower. So I think these got these are very young bulbs. Okay, just allow them to mature, and uh, you know, hopefully next year you'll be looking yep. at yellow. You'll be rich. You'll be all year after that. No, you'll be ringing <laughs> us up next year and saying I've got a blaze of daffodils. Thank you very much Lovely. for your advice. How about Thank that, Adrian? Yep. Okay, well done. Cheers. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gunning, our podcast, myself and Tom have got some more tips. My my one, Tom, is slugs and snails. They they are, are, they're around. They are <clears throat> around indeed. And now a lot of people say, oh, I don't like using slug pellets. But today there are so many slug pellets and remedies that are organic. So really all you've got to do is go along to your garden centre and have a good look round at what is available. And if you don't like using, you know, anything that's got a chemical in it, find one that hasn't there's also lots of little things you can do there's copper bands around your containers which works quite well yeah yeah, that works well that's works that's quite a good one people use sometimes eggshells around plants they use grits around plants all those sort of things help to detract the the slug from getting too near and there's another one you can use them also rot wool can't you because rot wool dries them up and they can't actually cope with going across that until it rains of course that is exactly so watch out for slugs and snails eradicate get rid of them put them in the bin and send them off to the uh, happy the happy organic (laughs) you like the one dude you you don't you don't throw them over the neighbor's garden i wouldn't no 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 so what's your no your next one well i'm inside now so it's uh it's looking at uh, those tender perennials that you protected over the winter you know things like the fuchsias the heliotrope and the pelagonium this is a great time to pop them up Fresh compost, I just go into the next size up on the container, any old container will do. Pop them up, really firm them in, water them well, and actually cut them quite hard to try and generate some new growth. Because although that's a lovely stock plant, those new growths can also give you cutting material, which in turn will also flower later this year. Okay. So there are, there is another Hint and tip from Tom and myself, but listen out because we'll have some more in a moment, but let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. We've got a couple of emails. Now, you've got an email there, Tom, haven't you? Who's that from? That's from Barbara Kemp in Thai Green. Right, and what has and, she got uh, to say? She's bought this Budlia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got purple flowers and variegated foliage. Oh, way back in 2012. Is that Harlequin? Uh, it, I think it more it, it is. Harlequin is a variegated form. Yeah. Um, and it did quite well until last year. And um, but our Barbara's pruned it. And the key thing about bar- Budlias is... This particular budlet, if you prune them hard anyway, they should generate new growth. What? Well, it didn't really respond very well, apparently. The growth was quite weak, and finally it died. Um, <clears throat> she's dug it up. It's gone to the big old compost heap in the sky. Can she plant the same sort of budlet in the same place? Well, the answer to that is yes. Harlequin's not as tough, though, as the green variety. Variegated forms, but still you would have got something. Should have done. Yeah, I mean, ideally, if you buy those plants when they're in a little three-litre pot, they're probably about a foot and a half, two foot tall. I would reduce them by half in there at the end of their first year. So, yeah, dig out the soil, dig out and turn over. Don't replace soil, I mean. So dig out and turn over and improve the soil and then put a new bud layer in. I see. Should be fine. 
And there's lots of, if you want one of the small ones, there's some new smaller varieties. Lots of patio there. type buddleys. And they, I tell you what, they go up to about a metre. Yep. And they are very attractive indeed. So they and the key is they flower on new growth, so you can afford to cut them. Variegated forms by half, non variegated yep. forms harder, February, March time. I have another email. Yes, we do get emails here as well. Ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. That's the one to, one to come through to us. And this is from Janet in Finchingfield. She says, I'm planning to turn a small pond into a bog garden. Appreciate a bit of advice. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I've done bog gardens, and I reckon you have as well, haven't you, mm. Tom, in your time? How far up shall I make the holes in the liner? So it's obviously a liner pond at the moment, yeah? Uh, that's the first question. What kind of soil shall I use, and any advice on plants? Well, I'd go down about nine inches so that you've got a nice sump, but it would depend on how deep the pond is, wouldn't it? It would do, really. It would, wouldn't it? Um, and if you're just going to put holes in a liner... You've got I've to, done it. You've got to, it does work. Have you still not got to, got to contain some of the water in where it's going to, so it slows down? It's a, so some people actually put a sort of membrane type material in beyond the pond, puncture part of the liner, so the water then starts to seep in that area, mm. but stays there a little longer, so it retains its bogginess. I don't know. I have done it the way she's describing, where you just put a liner in, you puncture it something like eight, nine inches down, yeah. and it's worked really well. You know, and it's it's filled it up with with uh, and what's you know we've got to fill it up with soil. I'd put you see, I'd, you drain it. That's the most important thing. Drain it. Be careful that you don't. You know, you might have frogs, all that sort of thing. Let them it. escape. Uh, would you do it now? <laughs> difficult because spawning. It's difficult, at the moment. isn't it? Difficult time of the year to do it. Really. So if there isn't any spawn. Clear. You could, but it's it's one of those things I would tend to do towards the end of the year, really. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if we were doing it this time of year, empty out carefully with buckets and put it into a container so that you don't lose any of the water. And then what sort of soil? Put, I'd put compost on, on the bottom. What sort of compost? Anything. And that you're, if you've got natural compost your good in old garden. garden compost. Garden yep. compost. Put it in the uh, bottom. Any then... soil that you've got spare in your garden yep. as well. So it's, Add a it's, bit of John in it. Uh, you could use soil-based. You can use aquatic-based soil, yep. which is which is poorer in yep. um, nutrition. Any of those will be fine. You don't want anything too nutritious. Yep. Uh, so not really potting compost as such. Uh, and then you've got Did... that whole choice of plants to go for, which like a boggy, wetter conditions. Lots of primulas love those Pr conditions. Primulas, gunnera. gunnera. If you've got a big enough My God, garden. if you've got enough moisture and it's a bit sheltered, gunnera is a huge architectural plant. Some of the sedges. Yep, sedges, rush, rushes, sedges. Lobelia the, cardinalis. The, yeah, the, uh, yeah, that's the more perennial form. Lovely red flowers on Gorgeous. it. Gorgeous. You've got, a, I am going to say, aquatic a mint. There is a mint. Okay, that uh, you could do. I would submerge it in a pot and let it run through. It's lovely. There's some water hyacinths you can have on just on the top. There's also things like water forget-me-nots as yeah, well. Look gorgeous. It's loads. So they are a good aquatic supplier. Janet, go and enjoy yourself. And then with the water that we've taken out, you just slowly filter that back into the bog garden because that could have eggs, newts, yeah. frogs, etc. Let's go back to the phones. That number to call is 0800 4041. That's the number. Here we are on BBC Essex. Tom Cole from uh, Riddle Agricultural University. Is it? What is it? Yeah, Riddle University <laughs> College. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> it used to be Riddle Agricultural <laughs> College, didn't it? When I were a lad. Anyway, let's go to Chris from Thundersley. We are talking gardening, aren't we, with you, Chris? Good morning. Hi. Hi, guys. What would you like my to talk? Quest, 
my question is, you were talking earlier about ponds. Yes. I have a small garden pond mm-hmm. in my rear garden. And uh, much, much earlier in the year, I got tons and tons of frog spawn in it. But unfortunately, due to the icy, snowy weather we had, a lot of it uh, froze and has died off. Uh, the frogs have been quite productive, though, and have um, produced a lot more uh, spawn. And I've now got thousands upon thousands of tadpoles. Yep. But I was wondering what to do with the the dead spawn that looks a bit like um, little icebergs on the top of the water. I didn't know whether to take them out because it was harmful to the fish or to the to the live tadpoles or whether just to leave it. It doesn't look very attractive. I probably would leave it actually so because I. the thing about a pond is it's like a sort of massive ecosystem on, it, on its own. It works it, separately from everything else. Yeah, it? so I think it'll be subsumed by the pond eventually and is a potential okay. food source as well. So although it's unattractive, it wouldn't be unattractive for too long. I think it'll disappear. Okay, that's oh. very helpful. Yeah, thank you very much. That's okay, great. and it is a reminder that, in fact, I was again in a garden. <laughs> I do get around in these gardens. Yeah, we're busy in gardens at the moment, one with a lake, and in fact, I had lots of frog spawn, and one of the young guys with me that was working with me, he said, oh, would it be all right for me to take a little frog spawn back for my little brother? No, I said, because you shouldn't move frog spawn anywhere, should you? You shouldn't take it, it from... You leave it alone. It's very important indeed. And in fact, that is something that I just happened to happen with myself in a garden. Someone asked me and I said, that's the correct thing. Leave well alone. Leave wildlife to wildlife. Let's go to Sheila from Thorpe Bay. Hello, Sheila. Oh, oh hello. Good morning, dear. It's about a bottle brush that yep. I've got in my garden. And um, it's grown quite nice, but it's gone all brown. And even the little uh, pods that are on, on the ends of the uh, stalks, they're all brown as if they've dried dried up. And uh, I, I'm not sure now whether the bottle brush has died or could I leave it? Well, I don't know what to do with it now. Is it totally brown all the way over? Yes, even even the leaves have gone brown. Yeah, okay. Have you scraped the stem at all with your nail? No. I would no, try, I that's my next thing I would do, just to check. If it's green inside, it's still living. Oh, right. If, it's, if it is brown, it's then dead. it's actually gone. And sometimes bus, bottle brushes, we've got some hardier ones we have, but we've also got some less hardy ones. Oh, and I the see. weather we've had is enough to actually have sort of cut them right down really but you know sometimes they do regenerate from the base so, so i'd leave they? yeah i'd leave them but i would do that check and if you have yeah. got very brown pits you can prune down those brown pieces can't you till oh. you get to green you you, oh, you can, can do that although them. i i just think it's a it's a little early i think it it's just a little early for those plants with the weather we've got and it's you know it's, it was lovely yesterday wasn't it, it was lovely the day before that but it's, it's quite cold at nights so, yes. so I would do. do the, it all seems to have gone all brown. It will. It will do. That's what. That's what the plant will do. Really, when it's confronted by that weather change. So, straight the bark. If it's green, leave it. Okay. If and then it wait. Isn't, then it's dead, is it? Yeah. And if it's brown, it is dead. So, if it's green oh. inside, let it. Leave it for a little while longer. Let it shoot, and then cut to those shoots. Oh, but it'll right. be, it'll be a little bit later on in the season. All okay. Right. Thank you very much indeed. That's Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Sheila from Thought Bay. That number to call is 0800 
triple one forty forty one. Just go back to another email and uh, give us a call now. There's a line free as well. I was just reminding you there, and you can send texts on eight one triple C. Just put the word Essex on the front. There's one from uh, Julie and Ant in Malden, and we have watched a few videos on growing potatoes in bags. What do you suggest is the best way to grow them? Are bags or pots better? I don't think it makes any difference at all. It's size that's important of the pot, yep, isn't it? Size is important with this one. It really is. Because uh, if, if you use a too <clears throat> slimmer pot, they yeah. dry out from the side. Or the bag dries out from the side, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I like the idea of bags because you can roll the bag right down. That's right. <clears throat> put in a layer of compost in the bottom. Put in... So a typical bag of compost often holds about 60 or 70 litres of compost. So what you can do is you've got an old compost bag lying around. Use that, put a few holes in the bottom. Uh, around about sort of six inches of compost in the bottom. Three tubers, eyes facing upwards or the chitted shoots, the young shoots facing upwards. Cover them, add another six inches of compost and then leave them to start to shoot. Add some water though as well and gradually... As the plant produces shoots, you unroll the bag and let the bag get deeper and deeper and deeper, adding compost all the time to just expose the shoots. And in fact, you could use old compost bags. That's what I use. I use old compost compost bags bags because I think you've got a bit more scope and you've got a greater depth there. You have got good depth. So they are. Julian Ant. We look forward to hearing how successful your potatoes are. Uh, Got a Twitter Coming on Twitter, I have a raised bed I cleared of bindweed. Can I put weed... This is interesting, you see. It's understanding weed killers, isn't it? Can I put weed killer on it? And if so, how long before I can plant in it? Well, in fact, to my knowledge, there are no weed killers that we can put onto soil to kill anything in the soil other than... And you don't use it on a bed. It's path clear. Yeah. And that is for paths. That's it. That's why it's got its name, path clear. So... Forget path clear. The only way you can use a weed killer on a bed is wait for emerging bindweed. And then apply it. And then apply it to the green shoots. So the answer is, uh, on that one, from Hillary, is you wait for the bindweed to show its face. You then spray it with glyphosate. or Spray or use a gel. Or use a gel. Wipe the leaves, if you like. And then what you can do is then... Keep doing that as they emerge. Bindweed will take you a long time to get rid of. It really will, won't it? And the weed killer will take about a week and a week and a half, two to weeks work. maybe, to work. Especially at the moment where we've got cold nights. Yeah. Yep. So they are. And Hillary, the, the thing about these weed killers are they're so safe because you can the soil is not touched by the weed killer. Yes, yeah, so you can, you, you, can wipe plant, you can plant, plant straight, straight away. away. Yeah. Just done. Now, of course... Um, I don't really know what's going on here because there's a guy sitting to my left that I've worked with for years here at BBC Ethic, off and on. Off, and more off than on. More okay, off than on. Honest, yeah. But we even did question time. Gardening question time. Oh, do you together, remember? Didn't we? Yes. Oh, years of that travelling around the country. Yes. I would host <laughs> and you would be the expert. And But we were at the Western Supermare, I remember. Did you unreal. do the Western leg unreal. of it? Oh, it was unreal. unreal. Anyway, anyway what, is it Eric's last chance eh? It kind of is. I'm in for Ronnie uh, <laughs> between now and... Does that mean Eric's had his last chance? Oh, that's probably true as well. I have to say that I'm not suitably her suit to be in the studio today. Two fine bearded gentlemen sat opposite me, but no, the clean-shaven Eric Dixon with you until two this afternoon. So so what's going on with you? Well, I'm going to be doing... Do you know the Cockney alphabet, either of you two? You've lost me. 
A is for it's uh, A is for horses. Oh, oh, A is for horses. Beef or mutton. Beef or mutton. Beef or mutton. Beef or mutton. C for yourself. Now that that continues (laughs) all the way through, but I can't remember the rest. I remember the first three, but I thought we're relying on a few listeners. You're absolutely right. So we'll try and rebuild the Cockney alphabet as was. Try and find the original Cockney alphabet, and also the best bargains you've ever bought. That's an interesting one. It could be. Could be determined by exact money off, you know, how many hundreds you saved, or it could be by percentage. You yeah. know, not an awful lot of money, but it was eighty percent off. For or example. it's gone up in value. Or it's gone up in value. Or you've used it for years. I mean, maybe you bought a toaster in nineteen sixty-five <laughs> and you're still using it now. That would be a bargain. You're not, are you? Using a toaster you bought in? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> absolutely true. Well, we're here in for Ronnie between twelve and two. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you. That look forward to uh, catching up with Eric at. I did remember, don't worry. 12 o'clock. And just a reminder, the spring show in Léa de la Haye. I have a nice note here from Léa de la Haye. Uh, Their spring show is Saturday, the April the 7th. Is that today? It is. It's today. It's today. Thank you. He's the chairman of Léa de la Haye Gardening Club. Thank you, Graham, for your little note. If you see Linda, give her a little hug from me as well. Uh, So there you are. Let's go back to... I'm going to try and use some of these... text we've got to look after and we've got callers as well but there's text i must do the text but that number to call is 0800 4041 easy to remember 0800 4041 and we're going to go straight to dorothy who's rung us and then we're going to be talking to on the text we've got jillian hockley we've got liz and we've got janet and hornchurch and we've got another email as well so there are plenty plenty to uh, talk about here on the gardening program all the way through till 12 dorothy from thought bay what have you got for us oh well i've got a be- well it was a beautiful red banana yeah we, we put it in the conservatory to protect it well before any bad weather but unfortunately it's come across another problem the um, <clears throat> the glass roof has obviously had condensation on it, and I'm pretty sure that's what has dripped onto the beautiful leaves and ruined them. So, what do you reckon, Tom? Well, I, I don't think it's is it, is it just spotting on the leaves now? No, it's great big patches. That'd all. be alright. I At think you'll be fine. Year. It's so early in the season. That you've got to get loads more leaves coming on that plant. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't take them off or anything. Are you? Are you watering it regularly now? Well, I mean, it doesn't need that much, but um, I do give it water. But not too much, otherwise it might sort of rot at the base. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you're keeping it ticking over. Um, yeah. I don't think there's much more you can do. Really, maybe move it away from wherever that that dripping is occurring. There's not much more you can do, really. Ken, what do you think? No. The thing is... I think it'll come. I I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. But at the moment, it's just not worth keeping. The leaves are so ruined... Well, no, no. As it grows, you just cut those leaves off. Yes. Now, this is what I was going to ask you. When shall I cut them off? Not till it grows. I'm not being funny, but you've got to let it grow to produce that lovely new leaf, and then you reduce, take the old ones off, which is what you would do with a canner or anything, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, just cut off those lower ones. It's the same principle as canners or anything like that, isn't it? That's growing yeah. in the same sort of way, where they're coming off in... Sh- it's a sheath, isn't it, really? That's it. So the lower ones you can take right out. Yep. 
once you get that new growth? Oh, gosh, it hasn't got that many. We can't talk about lower ones. No, 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 leaves, no. Dorothy, what I'm talking yes? about is as it grows. Give it, give it a chance to grow. It's too early. Yeah. Well, all right? So it'll, it, I shall see new leaves sprout. Yep, you will see new leaves, yes. So once they've sprouted, you just cut those lower ones off and remove them. Cut them nice and cleanly, and you'll get lots more growth coming up. I'm going back to... I'm going to I, Janet from Hornchurch has sent us an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And uh, she's, um, she's saying about a Pride of Madeira plant, which I think is Echium. Right. Echium. A succulent, yeah. I brought a five-litre one last year, planted it in a sheltered spot in the garden. However, the winter seems to have taken its toll. Wet winter. Yeah, they don't wet like... Wet and cold. They do not like wet and cold. They need to be slightly protected. Oh, it's, it is... Uh, it's the... It's a succulent one, it's isn't it? Echium. It's echium, isn't it? So this Which is a tall a... plant that produces a flower that That's can be right. sometimes like two metres tall. Yeah. Well, we've got them all growing at the college this year. Mick Lavelle and the team have but been wet planting. wet and cold. Wet and cold does not go, is not the friend of the echium. However, if the leaves have all started to dry off, but there's still a hint of growth, leave them well alone because they actually might still recover. Do you think people are being a little bit... You know, the sun came out this week and therefore everything, you know, we're, we're yeah. looking for and, things to happen. And, and what's happening is lots of plants are now responding because of that cold. Remember evergreen, evergreens, they yeah. take a while and all of a sudden if it's been too cold for them or it's too wet for them, they get spotting or they'll get leaf drop. But the echiums, they were well and truly affected by that cold they weather. Were, so you're lucky if they've got through. We've had them in this sort of sheltered area. They're fine. We're part, apart from one or two, but we're just going to leave them. Leave well alone. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for this week. Well, come on, what's your next one? It's pruning. Pruning. There's a load of stuff to prune out there, that, especially where it's finished flowering over winter, spring. So things like the winter flowering honeysuckle, the Nisra fragrantissima, that is. That's one of those, yeah. That's a lovely plant. Uh, so anything like that, really, where it's finished flowering, this is a key time to actually take out the old flowering wood to the ground or keep uh, cutting it back to where there's a new growth. I'll tell you what I attacked this week in somebody's garden. Attacked. Would I attack? Pruned. Gently. Mahonia. Oh. The Mahonia, uh, is it chari charity with the yellow? Crossmeter charity, yes. Yeah, charity yeah. with the yellow. The yellow had all finished. And what you find with that, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you get growth underneath. Then you get a clear stem. Yeah. Then, and then growth. A, and then a flat. Then so clear stem. Cut back to the clear stem, yeah. down to the down to the other crown, and off it goes again, isn't it? And you can you can be quite hard on those. You can, yeah. As long as you cut back to a green growth. So, actually, I've been doing those. I've been doing those this week. Uh, vicious things. got to wear gloves. Yes. Um, so, unless you, you don't want those fruit to form too much... I would actually prune those now as well, so an outward-facing leaf or cluster. Now, I'm a bit worried because over at the college where you work, uh, the Cockburiana, the Rubus Cockburiana in the front, seems to have disappeared. Have they cut them to the ground? We cut, always cut them to the ground. I never knew that because sometimes I used to cut some down and some up, leave some up. Technically, what you could do is you could cut back all of the old growth to the ground and tip the rest. Yeah. But because it's such a thug and it <laughs> creeps through the garden... 
I tell you what, you're not going to lose anything, and you're going to develop all those lovely yep. white stems anyway. So I'd cut it right to the ground. So that's another example of what you should be doing now, is it? Absolutely. Yes. So get out there and start pruning stuff that has already flowered. Yeah, and then just wait for things like Forsyth that are in full bloom at the moment, but do the same thing when they finish flowering, and the same thing with currants as well. Now, come on, what's your next one? Well, the other thing I'm doing is I've been titivating with my containers. <laughs> I've been clearing them up. Yeah. Looking out for the dreaded vine weevil. It's deadheading? There. I've been deadheading. I've been taking the top of the hookah off where there's no roots and then searching through and um, taking all the soil out and restarting again. And so I've actually done a little bit of a replanting. So I planted up a perfect container this week, a lovely camellia in bud. It's gorgeous. With some lovely wood anemones. And also Gortheria procumbens. It's a lovely creeping plant with red fruit. It has, and it's got also reddishness in its leaf, hasn't it, as well? Yeah, and it's a nice big pot, two foot by two foot, in ericaceous compost, lifted slightly off the ground to allow for excess drainage to to go. And the plant's going to be marvellous this year. Now, you mentioned vine weevil there, eating away at the roots, but really we can't actually treat those with uh, nematode quite yet. Can we? It's It's not quite warm enough? There are some forms that will actually go down to about 5 degrees C, but most are effective at 12 degrees. So really, it's a little little bit early because although we reached the other day more than 12, it's it's sustaining that temperature, and the soil isn't that temperature. So painstakingly go through and just try and take out as much as you can. Those little grubs... Great food source for birds, so give them to them. Thank you, Tom, and let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. I promised to go to Jill and answer Jill's question here. And she has ligustrum standards that have been hit by frost. Should I cut back the dead growth now or wait until new growth starts to come through? Um, yes to the last bit. Leave it. The trick, the thing is, you, everyone thinks, you know, it's brown. Oh, it looks awful. I'm going to cut it back. What will happen is you get some growth then it's cold again and that growth gets cut back. So leave it alone until you get some new growth. The weather's more improved then prune. Let's face it, April, I mean, I know everybody got very worked up, you know, the last few weeks because it's been cold, but I mean, we're talking about March, we're one week into April. I mean, you can get frost (coughs) all the way through till May and June. May, June. So you don't get too excited about the garden. Just enjoy what's out there. Look for things that are flowering and that you can improve your garden with. Um, because there's plenty out there. I think I think this time of the year is such a glorious time of the year, and I think sometimes people haven't got the right sort of plants in their garden to give them those those enjoyments. I know we've had people with blind daffodils, which haven't been doing any very good job. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can get plenty of bulbs at this time of the year, and they will look pretty good. That number to call is 0800 111 uh, We've got a note here as well. That was Sorry, that one was from Jill in Hockley talking about standards also just just on the point Tom is that some of the ligustrums that they're using today for standards are not the sort of commonish ligustrum they're one of the ones that's used much more in the Mediterranean than we do in this part of the part of the world and of course our temperatures are very different from the Mediterranean yeah, some so of those not, they're not going to be flower, so hard there's those pink flowering ones yeah. that are, are very different aren't they so, so you've got to protect them a little bit more put them closer to a house not have too many prevailing winds around them uh, right, we go to Liz now, and uh, I have three rhubarb crowns just popping up, five to six inches Lovely. tall in a cool frame, cold frame. They come f- 
from grandparents' garden 40-plus years ago. No probs with them. Give great sticks for pies. Do you think they may, may like a feed? If so, what do I feed them with? Do you know, I'm going to be very honest here. I don't think I've ever fed a rhubarb plant. But, but if it's uh, weak, hang on, no, it, hang on. But number things wrong. He, he tr- All right, even. He, I was going to say he teaches horticulture. But if it's, but if it's weak yeah. and it's new, give it a general purpose feed. It doesn't say. It says that 40 years old, but it doesn't say how long they've had it in their cold frame, do they? Do, they? do you see what I mean? But to them, it's new. It's an, it's from an existing plant. So right. It's a baby plant. So give it a feed. So that's what that's all you would recommend. That's all I do. Yeah? General purpose feed, about 35 grams square metre. Okay, so um, I would... My dad used to put compost around the crowns. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got well-rotted garden compost, you could do the same. And that will also break down and give you a bit of fertility as well. So that's something to look out for as well, is it? And also, that compost keeps the moisture in. There's nothing worse the rhubarb likes is not having enough water. Now, if they've only just put it in from this garden of 40-plus years ago, um, you wouldn't pull it this year, would you? Well, if you've got a lot of growth there, you can pull the odd shoot. You can? You know, if it doesn't pull a lot of growth on, leave it for a couple of seasons, let it bulk up. It's very interesting, is we give advice, don't we? We say, oh, no, yeah, you can pull a bit. You know, and they, they, if you read the book, it says, don't pull it, doesn't it? The books say, don't yeah, Ken, pull it. You and I both know. It's experience. Always, ex- always try something different. Yeah. And although it might say, do not do that. If it's got loads of growth, it's obviously enjoying where it is. I would still pull a few things. Obviously, not take more than a half off at any one time. More, not no more than a half. No, just and, and remember, rhubarb. It's pulling, isn't it? Mm. Not cutting, mm. pulling, and that triggers new growth at the base. And the other one they always say is strawberries. You should never pick strawberries. How can you resist not picking a strawberry? It's tempting, isn't you... it? Yeah, well, of course you do. You know, I mean, that's that's surely what it's all about. Who is... told you not to pick strawberries? It says in book. It says when you buy them, it says oh. don't pick for the <clears> first year or pick the young fruits off and let it let the plant bulk up. I mean. Pfft. I even uh, and pick apples off your apple trees when you've you know don't let them set. And pick we've... it off and eat it. Yeah, well that's what that's I would what do. I would do. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget we're going to live free at the moment. Oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. As we just go back to Diane in Harwich. Hello, Diane. Oh hello, Ken. Um, <laughs> Diana. I've got a yes, Diana. Yes, um, I've got a a fuchsia I've had for years. Um, I'm getting on a bit, so I don't go out gardening much. But it, it's very brown. But I have scraped it with a with a knife, really, um, and that, it seems to be green. But all the branches look very, very brown. But I would like to keep it again if I could. Is is this a? I take it this is a hardy fuchsia, is it? Yes, I, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it has been wonderful. I think it bloomed twice last year. But now it's um, a bit tired now. <laughs> Tom, it's it's another thing that we're impatient, aren't we, this year? Particularly yeah. this year. Fuchsias don't look very nice at this time of the year, really. Um, so you've got all of that old growth, which is last year's growth. Yeah. Um, if I'd wait a little bit longer, maybe three or so weeks, four End weeks. End of the month. Yeah, wait for a little bit of growth to start to emerge on the plant. And then you can be you can just lightly shape it if you wanted to. You could, if you wanted to cut it down quite hard by half or even lower than that because all the new growth that's created will all terminate in flowers. It always flowers on new growth. That won't hurt it to cut it Won't then, hurt it, but I'd leave it for another month. Let it, let, leave it yeah. so it won't look very nice for another month. 
But then when you get to the end of the month, cut it. Can I feed it with anything? Yeah. Or so use a, a feed that you've used before, or you could you could try new feeds. I mean, things like Grow More or Fish Blood and Bone. Good favourites. Or you could water in a liquid fertiliser. Anything that's got lots of potassium in, because that's going to promote flowers. I see. Oh, thank you very much. That's okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you yes, very much. Okay. Thank All you right. very much. That's sorted the future out. There's time for a couple of calls on 0800-111-4041. Text here coming from Sandra in Wickford. I have a mailer's royalty tree, usually at this time of the year. It has red buds, which are preparing to burst into spectacular red blossom. This year, it has brown leaf buds already, as if it's going to miss out. Uh, the blossom stage completely. Is this possible? It seems such a shame. What do you reckon? Uh, cold might might have got those uh, Could, if the, it's an the, early flowering form. Mm. What do you mean? As the bud was just forming. So I mean, I, don't do anything. I, I think leave it because I think you've still got flowers to come on that. I do. So I don't. I think this is very very early days for malice types for the for the for the apple group. Um, it's more more the prunus types. So so the sort of uh, buckthorn fire buckthorn uh, cherry. Plum, apricot, peach, and nectarine, they'll be flowering earlier than your apples uh, and your, your, although your pears are just coming into They are bud, just starting. I, I would just leave them well alone and, and then wait for that new growth. It will, it will come. And some of those early flowering uh, flowering prunuses, the prunus pisardii, and those yeah, are they're looking all out. glorious. They're, lovely. they're really nice. In their pinks and whites, there's some whites as well. And in <laughs> fact, the slow, which is. Or slow. Hang on, hang on. Blackthorn. Yeah, which is blackthorn. Yeah. That's all in blue. It's all in the hedgerows. It's, it's looking it's great, lovely, isn't yeah. it? But, but that apple, I think the, the, the cold weather has caught the leaf. Yep. And it might have just caught the bud, but I don't think that totally the bud's gone. There you are. Let's go now to Malcolm from East Barnet. Hello, Malcolm. Oh, very good morning to you, Ken. Yes, calling from outside the area of Essex, of course. Always, always pleased to hear from you. But a very regular visitor to uh, Great Badger and places like that. Ken, very simple question. I recently heard on the rival radio station, just across the water... Uh, the oh, you don't want to listen to them across the water. That's all. I know they are. Yeah, we don't want to listen to them. That's on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm with you on a Saturday, Ken. Good, good, good. Now, very quick question, I hope. Uh, I've got to be careful here. I don't mention uh, trade names, but I heard this particular gardening expert recommending a product called Mobacta. Yes. For the clearance of moss. I know exactly. You know, I know exactly who mentioned it. Yeah, good, excellent. We were probably we, listening too, were you? Uh, no, I just know I know who he is, so don't worry. Oh, we you know were listening, weren't you? That's no. Right. Well, that's all right then. Anyway, that's fine. Right, okay. Uh, can, yes. I, I, I can order this stuff. I managed to trace it on the internet. Once That's right. Get it on a well-known, but uh, ordering it in bulk is not easily when when you for deliveries. You, but I've been uh, checking around all the local garden centres and even the RHS, and just cannot seem to find anybody that supplies it. But every time I email people, they come back with a product called Evergreen No Rake. Uh, not one I know. Uh, not one I know. The one you're talking about, which I won't yeah. keep mentioning, because if not, it sounds no, like an no, advert. Exactly. Um, um, I appreciate but that. I have, um, I have come across the company. I have at a press event quite recently. I had a long chat with the MD who started the whole business. Very interesting product because it literally right. it um, makes the moss overgrow itself. Um, in other words, you're treating it with feed, and then the moss 
just dies back, goes back into the soil and actually adds as a nutrient into the soil. It does work. It has worked for several years for people and a lot of people have told me how successful it is. I have actually got hold of some and I'm going to actually try it myself. So I will be able to report on whether it works or not myself. And it is available... Um, it is available at certain outlets, so I think it is worth you keep trying because it is in some of the shops. Oh, okay. Well, I'll uh, just keep trying, Ken. Yeah, I mean, there is one that's in a garden centre. I'm sure it's in a garden centre up near Chompsford. I'm just trying to think what it's called, but it is on the 414. If you have a look at that one, I think they sell it themselves. All right. Oh, okay, that's useful to know, yeah. Okay. Ken, I appreciate your help. That's okay. Give it a go as well, Malcolm, and let us know. Uh, last call for the day. We're going to squeeze you in, Maggie. So what's your question, Maggie? Oh, so grateful. Um, I've got a cherished, dying California lilac. It's just gone black. Most of it's, just a, it's about, ooh, about a branch of green still alive at the top. But the rest of it looks black. So obviously it hasn't been too happy with frost, has it? No, cold weather's probably got it. Is it, is it long-lived? Has it been there for a while? Well, I've only lived in this garden. I've only had this garden about a year and a half. But it looks like a big... It's a big, it's but it's a big plant. It's very thin and sort of... Um, got, so I've got about five branches on, to be honest. But they really made up... They were sensational... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lovely, it is a spectacular plant, really, when it's, when it's growing well. Because Drystone Wall, it's, it's covered by this, this trees next door, apple trees, I've got camellias all around it, but I've just decided to die. I think it's frost, and I think we've just got to bear with yeah, it, I don't think, you? I think leave it alone, see if it shoots from lower down. If it shoots from lower down on that wood, you could start reducing it and cutting it back to that growth point. But at the moment, I just leave well alone. Everything it's We're not quite in the, a really good warm period of the year yet, so give it about three or four weeks. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, BBC .co.uk slash BBC Essex The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast Answering your gardening questions This is BBC Essex